Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tuned in. Here's a big question for you. Have you reached your leadership potential? Your capacity as a leader will be determined by the extent to which you can embrace the leadership disciplines. Ooh, discipline, that's a scary word. Tonight, let's unpack the four disciplines with Dr. Corbett. The four stages of leadership discipline. But I don't want you to go, oh, that's not me. I'm not a leader. I don't want you to think like that. I want you to have an understanding. When I say leadership, I mean, I really mean life skills because we, we all need to be able to lead in, in various capacities. And a part of the, 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 the opportunity that we miss out in life is when we don't see life as a leadership exercise. So the four stages of leadership discipline necessary to reach your potential. One of the things I'm really, really intrigued with is people who have an ability to do something, that's, that's impressive, but also have an ability to help others to do it as well. Oh, I'm fascinated with that. I've been watching The Voice, not by choice, but because we only have one family TV and I'm outvoted. One of the things that, that I've, I'm interested in is one of the, one of the coaches really a, a, appears to me to be a great singer, a great artist, but a lousy coach. This, this particular coach will say to one of their team members, just do it with, do it with energy. And, and, the, and the person there going, well, what does that mean? And she says, Gee, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the contestant will go, uh, yeah? <laughs> And then get up there and, and, and not do that well. And, it's, and then someone else will get up there and they were at this level and they've had a little bit of coaching and now they're at this level. And I think, okay, there's something clearly that one of these coaches knows and one of these coaches doesn't know how to be a good artist. So reaching your potential, can, it can only happen. It can only happen if you get the right advice at the right time from the right person. To put it another way, your potential as a person and your capacity as a leader is determined by the extent to which you embrace the first four of the five disciplines that a person can be subject to. Who is a disciple of Jesus? So well, I hope we all are. If we're a follower of Christ, we're a disciple of Christ. It's not an optional extra. It's not like you give your life to Jesus and then a few years later you become a disciple. The moment you say, I give my life to Jesus, you are saying, I commit my life to being a disciple. Now I want you to think about this word disciple because it's connected with this word discipline. In fact, the word disciple, if you look up any dictionary, it'll tell you this. It means a learner a follower, one who is subject to or is under the discipline of another, hence the word disciple. So the original apostles were disciples of Christ because they were learners, followers and under his discipline. Now I've asked this question before, when, and I'll set it up like this, when Jesus had... Had his ministry here on earth, his three and a half years of, 
of ministry in the flesh, he had to set it up to last at least 2,000 years, what he was establishing. And he's done that. So it's pretty amazing, the fact that he was able to invest his life into 12 men. They were his disciples. You cannot have discipleship without discipline. It just can't happen. Now, here's the question I have for you. I want you to think of these 12 disciples, these 12 apostles, and, and they're under the discipline of Christ. Here's my question. If we consider that Jesus was their pastor, reasonable thing to suggest, would you have liked to have been one of the 12 or in addition to the 12? Would you have liked Jesus to be your pastor with that group of 12? If you were one of the band, so there's now 13 apostles and you're one of them, what would you expect of Jesus if he was your discipling pastor? How would you expect him to treat you? There you are doing what you're doing and Jesus comes around the corner and looks at you, just stands there and looks at you. How do you feel? Because that happened, didn't it? Remember Gethsemane? He chose three. Actually, he chose them all. He brought them all up, all 11. Judas had gone off. He brought all 11 up. He said, come and pray with me. And there they are. He goes off over there, you know, 15 metres that way, in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. It's not that big. He prays and he's in intense prayer and he comes back to them and he just stands there. And there they are. And what does he say? Oh, you guys must be so tired. Have a a bit of a snooze while I go over there and sweat blood. That's not what he said to them, is it? I want you to get a picture here that kind of bursts the romantic bubble that if we were one of those original group of followers of Jesus, it would have been, you know, being able to skip with Jesus down the road and have butterflies follow us and we could have his halo kind of glow around our head as well. I don't think it would have been like that. So here's, here's the other question. Is he discipling us now? You see, he doesn't leave you the same. We sang that song, Mighty to Save, this morning, and there's a line in there that says something like this, Take me as I am. And isn't that one of the beautiful things about God in his grace, that he will, he'll take us as we are but here's the absolute guarantee he does not want to leave you the way you are whatever your spiritual strength is at the moment if we were to do a ranking from zero to ten and we were to determine that we were whatever number on that scale if we hang around with Jesus We follow Jesus, there's only one direction that number can go, and that's up. So if you are right now in your discipleship with Christ, someone who occasionally reads the word, someone who occasionally prays when you remember to, someone who who doesn't really share their faith in Christ with others very often, Someone who's not that altogether committed to 
church, which Jesus said he was building, and it would be a building that would go headlong against the gates of hell. So he's pretty serious about church. Wherever you are in those measurements, you hang around with Jesus, and each one of them can only go up if you are a disciple. So having set that up, I want to look at the four stages of discipline. Four stages of discipline. Got your Bibles? Please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look from verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 12. And this is what it says. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now, I know there are probably some translations that make that child or son or daughter. The Bible uses that word son very intentionally, and it encompasses women as well. And the reason is the, the, the son, the, the firstborn son received... Did, did anyone know, Old Testament law, how much of the inheritance the firstborn son received? How much? He received twice as much as any, other, any of the other children. That's right. Double. So there's actually a reason here why, why the New Testament uses this word, huios, or son, or sons, huioi, sons. And it's, it's, it's making a point that we, in relationship to God, have an inheritance that puts us in a privileged position. But, to, but you see the context of this verse, and we'll keep, we'll keep looking at this in a moment, is that if that's the case, if you are going to be the recipient of something very valuable from God, he's going to hold you to a higher account. And, and the word it uses there is discipline. So we go on in verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not Discipline. Let's just pause there for a moment. And I want to introduce the first stage of discipline. And these are stages of discipline. What I mean by this is, for you to become a fully mature person who has the best chance of reaching your potential, you will have to be a disciplined person. If you want to be a person who is self-disciplined, it cannot come unless you've been disciplined first. So here's the first stage. We, we call this moral discipline. Morality is simply knowing right from wrong. That's morality. So when we say that's immoral, immoral means it's wrong. It's wrong conduct, wrong behaviour, bad behaviour. That's right from wrong. So it, it says there that one of the first jobs of a father is to teach his children right from wrong. Don't do that. That's wrong. Or, well done. That was really good. The way you, whatever. So you reward the right. You reward the good. So this is a distinction between good and bad. So this is morality. Helping parents, particularly fathers, help their children know that lying's wrong, stealing is wrong, 
mistreating others is wrong and so on. These are the basics. This is where we start. This is discipline. And it's only discipline if there's some measure of accountability to it. That means there's some incentive to do the right and some disincentive to do the wrong. So that's, that's the first stage of morality. Now, most of us shouldn't, shouldn't have a problem with that. If you don't know Christ, generally people live with an understanding of this stage of discipline, but a heart that says, I want to get away with as much as I can. Um, as someone said to me, it's only wrong if you get caught. Whereas the Christian says, it's wrong. doesn't matter if you get caught, it's wrong. So you're going through the checkout, and the checkout person gives you $5 too much change. What do you go? You go, well, it's Coles. They make a billion dollars profit a year. Too right, they should give me a little bit of it back. What am I doing there? I'm justifying immorality. That's what I'm doing. And so on. We can see how we might justify morality. That's the first stage of discipline. So someone comes up to you and says to you, you shouldn't have done that, that's wrong. And if you buck up at that and push back on that, 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 should, that would tell me, if it was me who said that to you, that would tell me, okay, you haven't been disciplined. You should have been and you haven't been. You don't understand the value of discipline to your life. And if you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll read some 30 different Proverbs that talk about the value of discipline, particularly as a parent to a child. All right, what's the next stage? The next stage is what we might call ethical discipline. So morality is right from wrong. Ethical is good from bad. So you can actually be right, but be bad. I think it was Tyrone who was walking with Kim once. This is when we were in Williamstown, Newport, and... There was a rather large lady when Tyrone was how old? About two, three? About three. And there was a very large lady who was walking the other way. And Tyrone said, Mummy, why is that woman so big? <laughs> or something like that. Now, what parent hasn't had a kid do something like that? Now, was Tyrone wrong? No, he was right. She was a big woman. But was it good to say that? No, it wasn't. It was, it was actually bad to say that. It was just bad. So we could think of other examples where you could be entitled to something, but it may not be good for you to exercise that right. And there will be situations in life that are like that. So for example, someone might come up to you, a pastor, it could be me, it could be one of the elders, it could be a home group leader, it could be your parent, and they'll come up to you and say, you shouldn't have done that. And they'll say, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. And if you don't hear that they're not talking to you at level one discipline, they're talking to you at level two discipline. And if you're not mature enough to be able to receive that, you won't grow to your potential as a person. Here's the next stage of discipline. It's what we might call Social discipline. Social discipline is where 
we're looking at something that's either loving or unloving. So I could actually use that same example of when Tyrone was two and a half, three years of age, and use that as a social discipline thing. So it looks like this. You could be right, you, you could be good. It could, it could be good for someone to be told, um, you're, you're obese and you look like you eat too much. Now that could be right. It could be good that that person needs to hear that, but you know what, that may not be said in a very loving way. And I'm sure we've all had people who have said something like that to us. They haven't said it for our benefit. They have said it without even thought for how we feel, what we might think when they say it. So someone might come up to you, again, it could be me, could be an elder, could be a home group leader, could be a parent, and say, you shouldn't have said that. And, and you, could, you could react and go, oh, I didn't say anything wrong, it wasn't bad what I said, what's the problem? How about this one? Um, you, you, could, you could try and start a conversation with someone. It could, it could go like, and, and all you're trying to do is start a conversation with someone. You don't really care what the answer is. Yet we've been in situations like that. We just want to be sociable. We just want to build a social connection with someone. We might say something like this. I might, I might come up to this random person here and say something like... Um, so, uh, how's, how's, uh, how's it back at school now? You know, you're back into school. And you might go, what? I started school three weeks ago. I'm not just back at school. Now, that might be true. It might be right. It might be kind of the good side of, you know, somehow. Um, but you see, what the, see how this person's treating me? Now, I've just tried to start a conversation. I don't know. I haven't memorised when the school term calendar is. I have no idea. I'm just trying to start a conversation. <laughs> I can I just get my head bitten off by a 16-year-old girl. And you might see that. You might come, I, I, I'll, I will, I'll give you an example. I was, I was at Melbourne Airport and I was talking with Sam Cawthorn, who had just flown back from Los Angeles. And Sam has an artificial right leg from about here down. It's artificial. So he, he walks a bit like this, and he's done it pretty well. He's, he, 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 he can do it really well now, but you can still tell. And he was sitting on a chair, and he put this leg up on another chair, and we were in a lounge together. And one of the staff came up and was stood there hoping he would put his leg down so he could walk through, and Sam didn't put his leg down. And this person rolled his eyes at Sam, not knowing that Sam was in a car accident where he lost his arm, his leg and numerous other body parts. And Sam got called to his flight and I, I went up to the staff member and said, I, I, just, I just feel I really need to tell you something. Um, that guy that you came up to and you thought was rude to you because he wouldn't put down his leg, that was actually an artificial leg. He lost that in a car accident 10 years ago. 
it's very, very difficult for him to move it. And he was, re- and he was taking the weight off his stub by putting it on that chair. And this guy, and this guy could have said, he could have reacted, you know? He could, he could have got defensive and said, oh, I didn't, what would he, I didn't roll my eye. We, and we could have had a fight about it, because I know he did. <clears throat> and he could have reacted. Fortunately, he didn't. Fortunately, he acknowledged, oh, I didn't realise. I said, I, I didn't think you did. I just wanted you to be aware of it. Now, you might not think of that as discipline. And you might also think, that's not your place, Andrew, to go up to staff at the airport and tell them how to do their job. No, it's not. But that's a kind of an example of social discipline where we're looking at how we treat people, how we look at people. It's, it's like Mark might come up to you and say, hey, see that, that bloke in the corner there? No one's gone up to him and said hello. Do you reckon you could just go up and say hello? And you might go, oh, oh, I want to talk with my friends. But if you're open to this stage of discipline, you're going to say to Mark, no problem, Mark. I'll go up and grab him. That's being socially teachable, socially correctable. And if you can learn how to accept that, you will flourish as a person. There's one more thing, and we call this volitional discipline. We'll come back to our text and we'll have a look just the remaining few verses here. Reading verse 8, If you are left without discipline in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You see, if you go through life and you will not receive discipline, you live, and the King James has a very interesting word in place of the expression illegitimate children, you you end up with an attitude toward people who are genuinely going to try and help you. And you can take that attitude through your life into your 50s, 60s, 70s and even 80s. And it's best dealt with before you're a teenager or no later than your teen years to deal with this. And that's part of what, part of what that scripture says. It looks like you've never had parents if you won't accept and embrace discipline. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us And we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? That is, to God himself. Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. And that word good, for our good, I'm saying, so that we can achieve our highest good, our ultimate potential. God wants to bring discipline into our life. So if you're praying prayers like this, God, help me to be the person you have created me to be. Help me to be the person you want me to be. I guarantee you, God will begin to answer that prayer by bringing people into your life who will speak into your life uncomfortable things. They will speak words of discipline into your life. And and you can have the attitude, no one's going to tell me what to do. How dare you speak to me like that? Or you could have the attitude that maybe God's using this person to teach me, correct me, shape me, mould me. 
And if that's the attitude you have, you are well on your way to reaching and realising your potential. Verse 11, oh sorry, verse 10, For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for good, that we, that we may share his holiness. Verse 11, for the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness by those who have been, here's this word, trained by it. So if you want to be a follower of Christ, it involves training and discipline. Here's volitional. Volitional means, or we are all volitional. That means we, we all exercise choice. We exercise choice. We get to choose. And the best way... The best thing to do when you're making a choice is to make a wise choice. So here's the last area of discipline. It's the, it's the area of wisdom. So it looks like this. We've got right and wrong. We've got good and bad. We've got loving, unloving. Now we've got wise or unwise. And wise and unwise can sometimes be very difficult to receive. For example... As a pastor, I've had to speak to people at this level and I know that they don't understand why I'm doing it. I know it. I can see it. They don't get it. There'll be some instances where perhaps we might have young women who dress immodestly and that's unwise. And it's unwise because... Either you're a girl who knows full well what that does in the mind of a guy or you're a girl who is from planet naive. And if you are from planet naive, I would really appreciate the GPS coordinates to get back there because I miss it. Because if that's where you're at, you, you will have someone, hopefully, come up to you and give you a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is hey, you know when you're wearing that top or that low plunge top, it's, it's really not appropriate. Now, listen, think like this girl for a minute, it, or whoever it is, this girl could hear it, that, that, that we're saying something at level one, which is right from wrong. Is it wrong to wear a singlet top that might be a little bit see-through with a low... It's not necessarily wrong. You're not, not going to go to hell for it. It's not wrong. You're not going to find a... They might say, give me the Bible verse where it says a, a girl cannot wear a singlet top. Well, sorry, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Haven't got one. But it's not about right and wrong. It's not about good and bad. It's not even about loving, unloving. In, in this sense, it's, it's about wise and foolish. And we know that there are some people who don't understand that. But if you do begin to understand, if you do begin to understand, there are some things in life, they're not wrong, they're not bad, but they may be foolish or unwise. And if they're unwise, you will be forever frustrated wondering why you don't seem to get all the breaks that other people get. I want to finish with this passage of Scripture, two verses out of Ephesians that complements the text that we've been looking at. And it says this, "'Rather speaking the truth in love.'" We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, 
You see, we, we need each other. We, we need each other. And we need leaders to do their thing. You need your parents to do their thing. We need our home group leaders, our pastors, our elders to do their thing because we, we all need each other. And we are joined together. And when every joint is together, which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice those terms. We've got right, wrong, good, bad, wise, unwise, loving, unloving. And that's how it describes the church. So if someone comes up to you and corrects you, or perhaps says something as a word of advice, before you react to it, can I recommend you say, thanks for that. You've obviously shared that with me because you care. I appreciate that. Then go away and think about it. They could be right, they could be wrong. But don't just reject it outright initially. And if you can do that, if you can go through those four stages of discipline, I guarantee you, you will be well on your way to achieving your potential for whom God has called you to be. The four disciplines and the extent to which we embrace them determines our ability to reach our leadership potential. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Four Disciplines, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, we invite you to visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is the pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.